0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Teacher Takeaway Podcast, a podcast by teachers for teachers. This is season two, episode 23, and this episode is all about science in celebration of National Science Week here in Australia. Tonight, it's an all-girl affair. I'm joined by the lovely co-host, Rebecca West hello everybody thank you for joining us it is just the ladies it is the boys are mia for this episode the girls are taking the reins so i hope you will strap yourselves in and join us for a chat all about science our inquiry question for this episode is why is it important to immerse students in science really cool topic i love teaching science it's like one of my favorite things to teach at school how about you i enjoy
1: Beth? it I, it's it's one of those things that i probably don't uh, program very well because i just have all of the links to um, great science experiments or videos or things yep. that- that I want to share with the kids or do with the kids it's very very hands-on so my program uh, usually starts off with that great inquiry question or my learning intentions and success criteria and then it's like link 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 from all my googling <laughs> of things that I've found and yeah. I can never narrow it down <laughs> yeah it
0: takes a lot of focus I think to narrow down a science unit like it takes a lot to oh, I okay. guess to see the big picture and and piece together that progression of learning
1: yeah definitely and I think one of the things too is yeah picking out those things that are quite um explicit and relevant and not just the
0: the wow factor mm. um but actually quite relevant to curriculum yes <laughs> yes so got to teach us skills and that content knowledge but those experiments are fun and that's what the kids I think remember most is all of those really fun and engaging experiments that we do
1: with them absolutely my kids have been talking all about science week this week because they've been doing lots of experiments at school
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and we'll get to some of those in just a moment let's have a quick chat about the theme for this year's science week it is glass more than meets the eye which is quite intriguing and i was doing a little bit of reading in the pre-show and it's based on the un international year of the glass who knew I didn't know there was an international it's year all about of glass, the glass. 2022. <laughs> yep, and it's all to do with celebrating the many roles that glass play in our lives from phone screens to optical fiber to glassware in labs, plus investigating glass as part of our sustainable future. The uses for and intrinsic nature of glass in science make it a suitable topic for investigation across all strands of science education. I, I didn't know that that glass could be, like, you know, this big thing that you could investigate deeply. Just didn't Isn't it interesting. occur to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, the way it says, like, sustainable future, my head goes, yeah, okay, glass is recyclable, but, like, I never associated it, I suppose, with the word sustainable. It's kind mm-hmm. of a different perspective to look at glass in that way.
0: Yeah. I was watching um, an ABC episode of something the other day and they had, this, this island has their own recyclable centre because they don't have, um, you know, mainland services. And they yeah. were using their glass bottles and kind of breaking them down into little tiny pieces and combining that with sand to make new products. And I just was like so blown away with how creative and innovative they were in terms of how they recycled their products and what they then turned it into to make something new. It's just... Fascinating really when you when you dig deep and you investigate further what glass is actually used for. You're watching
1: these really um intelligent documentaries, whereas I'm watching <laughs> TikTok, like where, where I watched um, I don't know how I end up on these these sides of TikTok, but there's um a glass blower account where they show all the different glass blowing that they do and what these people are doing is going into the old op shops where the really old um, like, you know, vases from the 70s yeah, with yeah. the yellowy colours and things like that, just they're not getting bought or reused. So they're buying them and melting it back down and creating these new sort of um, modern yeah. vases and sculptures and things like that with it as well. And they look really cool. Even the things like um, the Halloween pumpkin Sort of ones the the glass blown pumpkin with the the stem and everything yep. in it as well. So they're they're going out and trying to repurpose this yep. glassware that's just sitting on these shelves. But yeah, that, that was my TikTok documentary. Yep. But isn't it
0: mesmerizing? Like glass blowing is truly mesmerizing, and I don't know how they managed to create those things with this hot ball of glass without it coming out like a smush. Like I imagine if I ever tried glass blowing, it would just look like a smush. <laughs>
1: Just, just some kind of bulbous shape hanging yes. off
0: that stick that they just, blow into,
1: and isn't it interesting? It's still the same technique that they used yes. like such a long time ago. There's people literally just blowing into a stick and creating these magnificent things, and I still I can't comprehend. Are they blowing like really hard, or is it a gentle like yeah. you know blowing bubbles kind of thing? I don't know. I don't know enough about it, but okay. I'm impressed
0: yeah well if you glass blow out there get in touch we'd love to know more
1: yes we would love to learn it's definitely not something we could do in the classroom
0: no unfortunately not how do you Beck get engagement in the classroom what kinds of tips and tricks do you use to kind of hook the kids into science
1: well, I, I mentioned the wow factor, but things that make the kids go ooh and ah will always get them. If you've ever been to Questacon, anyone, oh, yes. not, uh, <laughs> anyone not listening from Australia probably doesn't know what this is. Uh, it used to be called the Science and Technology Centre, and I am old enough to remember when it was one big factory opening and you would just walk in and there were tables sort of around with these different science experiments set up, and now it is like a multi five-storey building with all these amazing experiments, but kids go in and there's like a lightning generator and a tornado machine and you can climb through these mock lava tubes and it makes kids go,
0: whoa,
1: like when yeah. you get that response out of a kid's mouth, you know, you've got them hooked in to where you can actually explain what's going on and get some of that science language going. So sometimes it means things that are visually stunning. It might make a sound, uh, anyone with sensory um uh, students in their class need to be prepared for, you know, headphones or smells <laughs> and things like that. But you know, things that they don't normally see on a day to day basis even though they kind of do see it on a day-to-day basis, like glass, we're literally talking about glass and things like that, but seeing how glass is blown, that's the ooh factor.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah. and it's one thing to tell kids that it's blown and this is how they do it, but then it's a whole other thing to show them a video of something really cool happening, which is why it's important for kids to get hands-on and explore and engage and see these things in practice. So, um, the, yeah, the ooh factor. <laughs>
0: There's always something that makes it engaging. Yeah. I often um, find that what engages our kids the most, particularly in rural, because, you know, we don't have a lot of opportunity to go and explore places, you know, there are not a lot of places that are really close to us. So it's quite expensive um, Mm. to do those big travels to Questacon. But I find connecting to something in our local context that is relevant to the students and they can see in their day-to-day lives, they, can, they just go, oh, like they just get so hooked in. And I'm, I'm going to jump down to, we were going to talk about some of your favourite experiments, so I'm going to quickly jump down to that, um, <laughs> is um, one of the ones we did and our Stage 2s are doing it at the moment is looking at um, plant life cycles, but we're looking at plants that flower, and focusing on on those ones and um then that links into you know the role of bees in in that process but we're looking at how we grow cherry tomatoes so looking at you know going to the supermarket buying some a punnet of cherry tomatoes and how do we grow tomatoes from the seeds inside you know store-bought tomatoes yeah but then the kids are like oh but if i can do that with you know, store-bought cherry tomatoes and I could do that with cucumbers and I could do that with capsicums and I can do that with all of these other fruits and vegetables that we see that have seeds. And so they're all like, oh, bringing in all these different kinds of fruits and vegetables and exploring <laughs> how we lineup. might be able to grow these, these different fruits and vegetables from the seeds of these plants and looking at, you know, how we can use what we, you know, see and use every day in our, you know, supermarket shop. To to um, you know, get our own local produce, which the kids really really enjoy, really enjoy doing. Any other tips for engagement?
1: That. I, I, just with the plant thing though that's a really cool thing that you can link in um in other areas as well because uh, one of our examples was the pumpkin seeds that we did we collected pumpkin seeds and we dried them out and you have to wait for them to dry before you can plant yeah. and, and all that kind of thing and like it takes ages to get one pumpkin you know off the vine yeah. that's edible that you can cook and eat and it kind of gives the kids a whole world of appreciation for what's in our supermarkets and then on our plates they yes. know yeah. how much effort has gone into how, long, that taken. And how long it took yeah. yeah and like and sometimes well maybe not right now but normally you know you only spend sort of a few dollars buying um those v- fruits or vegetables in the shop and you think yeah that that was that was- it's in the works possibly even years if they seed seeds that have been harvested the year before yep. you know and yep. we're only paying a few dollars for it not lettuce obviously um <laughs> but that that appreciation for what goes into that and so then when yep. there's conversations around farmers that need um you know water surplus um, you know uh what do you call it funding and things like that for the farms and protecting the farms and things like that they kind of come to the conversation with a different perspective because they've had that experience yeah, and that trying experience. to grow them themselves yep. yeah
0: yeah
1: um, yep. it definitely make, makes a difference i think
0: yep. um i was i also found that it you know it opened up the conversations at home around you know the the produce that we eat and that we buy from the supermarket you know the kids we grew each child grew their own you know fruit and vegetable and they took that home to then you know do what whatever their families would let them do with this, this uh, <laughs> produce that they were growing at school. But I found with a, particularly with a few of our students, they live on farms, so their parents are like, okay, well, we'll set up, you know, vegetable gardens or fruit and vegetable gardens and allowed the kids to, to plant their produce and then looked at other things that they could then use to extend those, those gardens, which was a really nice extension from the classroom into the home environment, and then they brought the produce that they'd grown which had stemmed from our learning in class back to share with with their um, with their peers around oh look what I'd grown and this one I you know brought this from the supermarket and I took the seeds out and I grew this at home and now look what it looks like and it was a really yeah. nice kind of nice cycle back to the learning that we'd done and the impact that that had on on those students which was really nice
1: have you ever seen a kid's reaction to watching the um uh what's it called stop animation you know like a a video of a plant growing from seed like in 60 seconds you know those
0: things and then you say to them yeah this is how long it actually takes (laughs) you know that video that we watched that i gave you as a hook to our science unit (laughs) this is the time frame that it took and they just go mind blown (laughs) like
1: And then you'll see some of those kids go away and and think maybe I could do it, you know, and and ask about that technology that links in with things like that, because there is so much that's involved with documenting science as well, which is a great way to integrate um, across, you know, English and maths and everything. If we're, if we're documenting, you know, time spans, lifespans or, or um the information that goes with it one of I'm going to jump ahead to to one of my favorite experiments which is horrible I'm not sure if we're allowed to do it anymore but it's like letting food um uh break down pretty much so um I had kids bring in different types of bread and we just put them in clip lock bags yes yes and you (laughs) you just yeah and you just let them go moldy pretty much and and they have different places in the classroom (sighs) Pretty much. Yeah. And like we documented if it was like wonder white or if it was from the bakery or, you know, all those types of things, what type it is. And if it was brown bread, white bread, whatever. And because you've got so many different types in the room, kids can either work in pairs or on their own and they document how it looks. So you have this like calendar set out and like suddenly green patches will start appearing or brown patches on their drawings of the bread and then these conversations around why is that piece of bread still white two weeks later? Let's have a conversation around preservatives, kids, (laughs) and see what's in that. Yeah. Um, and, and that conversation ties in with your health and everything. And the kids start thinking about yeah. what they're eating and what they're putting in their body and just watching food goes, go gross. Like year five and six kids
0: love it. Boys and girls, they love all love it. <laughs> <laughs> probably what's festering at the bottom of their school bags.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. And so at least there's that knowledge when they pull it out and go, whoops, I probably shouldn't do that. Yes. Uh, but that, that's this one of my favorite of ones.
0: Stuff growing on my sandwich in the bottom of my bag means
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting too because then they'll have those conversations around oh so yeah the apple core that I threw in the backyard you know that started turning brown straight away yeah because yeah. it's fresh fruit
0: <laughs> yeah yeah there's no preservatives in that one <laughs> <laughs> that's right what about like kids I think these days you know with with them watching a lot of you know YouTube and devices and things they see science and they think lab coats and and glasses and how do you use that to hook kids into science?
1: So when I went to a conference, I heard this about this really cool study where um, they tested. Uh, how kids wore clothes and used materials uh, when engaging in the lesson. So the experiment was something along the lines of they had a group of kids that had these white coats. They were just white coats. They didn't say anything on them, but they told the kids that these were scientist coats. They were lab coats and the kids were highly engaged and the results were off the charts and they all could dive really deep into their learning. They did the same experiment with another group of kids But they just said that these were like painters jackets just to protect their clothes. And the kids didn't buy into the lesson as much and they weren't as engaged as the other group. Um, and there's research that shows it's along the lines of almost play-based learning as well and getting into that mindset um, you know i'm a scientist because i have my coat on and i'm going to do sciency things so while it might look like it's something that's um flashy with bells and whistles and doesn't actually lend to the lesson it really does try and help kids get into the mindset that this is what we're doing and as soon as you give them a magnifying glass they want to go exploring they want to go looking for things like that so while the goggles and the lab coat do provide actual protection for your clothes, it help ki- helps kids get into that mindset of yeah. what they're doing and putting on that that facade. I'm almost yeah, like you're getting in into character.
0: It's it's you yeah. Know, I'm doing my science learning, so I've got my coat on and my you know my goggles and.
1: See, I think even in medicine, when they do eventually get the, the coat, the doctor's coat and the stethoscope and everything, it's like a rite of passage, you know, when they get to that level, like, I don't know what we need for teachers. We (laughs) (laughs) have a shiny apple, but you know, like a lot of those professions, they have those things and engineers have, um, uh, Oh God, is it a wing nut or whatever it is? There's a tradition where they create their own ring, um, yeah, like for right. the first time and they wear that um, another TikTok thing that I found out could just be American. <laughs> but it's like some of these things that are like, no, this this is what I do and this is what, you know, I'm proud of and showing it. So things like the lab coat and goggles do have their place in the room.
0: Yeah. And who doesn't love to wear a lab coat and goggles and feel special while they do science? <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you, t- you touched on it briefly before around the connection between... Um, science and say the pdh or the health um area when you you know when you were talking about your your bread experiment how do we take what we're learning in science and we integrate it across our curriculum what are some other opportunities that there might be to for integration
1: I think science lends itself really well to a lot of elements that we um, don't dive as deep into in our literacy when we're talking about things like writing or documentation. So I know it's probably heavily NAPLAN-stemmed that we do a lot of sort of creative writing or persuasive writing. Um, But writing is a a key element when it comes to science. Like I said, documentation, timelines, observations, and a lot of these things... um, can either be specifically what you see and then it could also be highly interpretive. You know, I see this, what could be, the reasoning for it, what could be another reasoning for it, you know, and what's the next steps in that. Um, And there's a lot of documentation that goes into science and what you do, you know, all the measurements and stuff obviously plays into mathematics that's in there, but how to list things out, how to plan things out, how to mind map things. Um, And the fact that when you're, science is all about the facts, which means there's so much that comes into conversation, Um, having to interact with other people and have a dialect dialogue, about your hunches and your theories, so being able to have that back and back and forth mm. and justify your opinion on something, like yeah. that, I, I suppose that's persuasion, right there, isn't it? Like you know, yeah. part of that stuff. But um, what what a great way to be able to go, okay, kids, we need to learn how to present an argument, <laughs> you know. Science yeah. is the way to go. You know, what's your theory on this and why yeah. how can you validate that? And what, yeah. what persuasive language can you use to try and convince the audience, I suppose, yeah, that that's yeah. your position on it.
0: Yeah. Even linking in things like um, you know, informative writing sits beautifully oh, with the sciences. And our um stage twos at the moment have you know heavily linked their science and their and their writing um units together so that they complement each other and it's it's not an add-on to what they're learning about it's they work you know in parallel and it's really nice to see the increased engagement in writing because they're using the lens of science something that they're interested in they're engaged in to support the writing process and and it's it's really nice to see even even reluctant you know typically reluctant writers getting in to the writing process because it's something that they've engaged in, they've, you know, done something hands-on with science and they can then translate that to, to a piece of writing.
1: Especially when it's, like, at the really the early stages of whatever it is that you're doing, you're like, let's mm. say you're writing up an experiment you just need your list of materials, you know, that kid that hates do, completing some kind of narrative piece of writing mm. will write the list. They'll yeah. write down the things yeah. that they need. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and they can generally articulate the process that or the steps required to be able to use those materials, which is um, really important. In science, is highly collaborative. Like mm. rarely
1: a scientist, you know, uh, sitting there on their own with no one else in their field doing something, even if it's, you know, virtual, there's always someone yeah. else in their field studying something similar and they've got that capacity to have some some kind of, you know, teamwork, team dynamic going on there. So if you've got kids who feel, who, who struggle with writing and things like that, that normally would feel very isolated and solitary because it's their piece of writing when it comes to science, usually working in a team, we yep. can't do it all by ourselves and usually we don't have
0: enough materials to do it all by ourselves.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> all, the, all the willingness to make that much mess. Yep,
0: yep. With 30 kids doing the experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I also find that um, mathematics is another great curriculum area to integrate uh, Yes, in, um, in with science. You know, you're looking at measurement and um temperature so you know positive negative integers and looking at um you know if you're measuring the weight the mass of something or the volume of something it just has so many applications to be able to take what you're learning in mathematics and then apply that in the science space and look at that transfer of skills
1: I once heard a maths teacher say that maths can exist without science, but science can't exist without maths. Yeah. I thought it was so true. It's in all of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Really rich opportunities to get mathematics across some KLAs there. Um, Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say?
1: Oh, no, just, yeah, thinking of that engagement, some of those kids that are like, oh, maths is hard, I can't do maths, I'm not good at maths. Yeah. You'll see them completing a science experiment and using those yeah. math skills that they feel like they don't have but you yeah. can't point it out and go, you're doing maths. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it.
0: <laughs> I just love those aha moments when the kids realise that they're using their mathematical skills in science or vice versa, they're using science skills mm. in mathematics and they just go... You know, this is a maths lesson. Why are we doing science? It's like because the skills we're using involve mathematics. Yeah. They're like, but it's science. I'm like, yeah, we can have multidisciplinary yeah. learning happening in the classroom. <laughs> Don't have to compartmentalise <laughs> our life.
1: And and even bigger mind blows when you see them doing it, like with art. Like we're painting. Yes. What do you mean we're
0: using maths all the time? Yes. Yeah, that gets them every time. I love it. give me some more of your favorite experiments i'm interested to hear about your hoop plane i've been doing this since
1: the first year i started teaching i kid you not and i reckon i've done it with almost every grade i've ever had because it's so quick and easy and it gets you the big ooh moment yeah all you need is literally straws and card a cardboard is likely the best so i'm talking like a4 Uh, card yeah it'll work with paper though if you've got paper Um, and all you literally do is you cut strips of paper Um, I'm gonna say oh three to say three to 4 ish centimeters wide and like cut a long strip down the long end of the a4 paper and on your uh, straw you'll tie two bits of that strip of cardboard around to make a hoop You'll make the front one small and the back one big. I'm using my fingers to demonstrate this to Alice, as I'm saying, and realising people are just listening. But if you Google hoop playing, you'll <laughs> see what it looks like. And I'll make sure Alice has some um, pictures for the show notes as well. So literally the kids are holding a straw in their hand and at the front uh, where their pinky finger is will be the small cardboard hoop and it's attached to the straw. And at the back is a bigger cardboard hoop attached to the straw and they literally just fling it like it's a paper airplane, it goes so far. So you're having like a paper yeah. plane competition and it's all about the the aerodynamics of how the air passes yeah. through the small hoop and the big hoop. And there's a great, wonderful, actual scientific conversation that you have yeah. with the kids and you can make a diagram and everything, which, you know, you would go through, but once they've made one, they'll want to make a hundred of them yeah. and just do different styles. And then you start talking to them about, okay, could you make it go further? Could you add wings? You know, what would you do? And just get into that. experiential process um around that but every grade like seriously kindergarten year six have all loved it
0: does the size of the hoop determine how far it goes like that so like like like, you've got two different size hoops but yeah do they is it like I'm just trying to wrap my head around
1: this, does it? Well, yeah. So like you could make the smaller circle tighter and the back circle bigger, and even then the thickness of the cardboard as well. Like some of the kids would go like five centimetres thick with theirs and some would be like one centimetre. And obviously if it's only one centimetre, you're not getting the uplift of the air carrying the cardboard sort of a thing. So sometimes you don't want to make it too explicit on how to actually cut the cardboard strips so that they purposely all come out different sizes and then that lends to the conversation. And, yes, of course you can go make more. And the good thing is too is if you're using masking tape on top of the paper, um, you should be able to rip it off and recycle the cardboard. It should be fine. Fine. Um, and same for the, the plastic. I oh, know plastic straws are a big no-no, but I don't know how to do it with anything else. Maybe you could do it with a hard uh, wooden paper stick. Straw? Maybe, maybe Would a, a, a kebab straw? stick. Maybe it should. I mean, the air is really traveling through the hoops more than the actual straw. The straw is just the mechanism to to throw it with. So I do love the turtles, everyone. I promise. <laughs> <laughs>
0: A good way to experiment with the most sustainable item to throw with. Interesting. That would
1: be good, yeah, good conversation around it. But like, yeah. it's such a quick and easy lesson, literally like one afternoon, you know, easy lesson. You know, There's no sort of pre-empting up to it. You don't have to prep anything before it. Literally grab a handful of the straw of your choice, a stack of your cardboard and a bit of masking tape. Make sure you've got scissors in your class and good to go. Yep. good one to do if you're a casual teacher as well, going from place to place, and you need something yep. easy.
0: That's a good yep. one. Yeah, nice. We um, I quite like doing um the melting of ice. <coughs> so we oh. looked at and we did it as part of a um an exploration we were doing with the snowy hydro. So that's near um, where we live, and so bringing in the context, lots of the students at our school, their parents work for the Snowy Hydro, so it's this big hydroelectric system uh, in the Snowy Mountains region of Mm -hmm. New South Wales. And we were looking at, you know, how different temperatures affect how quickly ice melts and whether or not um, ice would melt quicker in a Ziploc bag and what the purpose of using a Ziploc bag for catching the water would be Mm -hmm. and how much we lost and all that kind of stuff. Um, through precipitation all that you know extra sciencey stuff but the kids really enjoyed finding and experimenting with different surfaces and the impact that those surfaces had so we've got like this big metal um, plate it's like a big thick metal plate out in our playground so we did this in summer and it gets quite hot and so we tried it on that we tried it on the asphalt we tried it undercover in our cola area we tried it on the um you know the soft fall type surfaces Uh, yeah um just to see the the impact that heat from the sun had on these surfaces and then in turn had on the melting of ice how long it took for each one of those to melt which was quite an interesting conversation about the surfaces of our playground and then you know the impact that that might have on us as as users of that playground, um, particularly in the summer, the hot summer months that we have um, in Western New South Wales.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it was a quite a good one, and I, I distinctly and I cannot for the life of me remember why we had done this experiment, but <laughs> given given these Year Six students. We'd been looking at different types of experiments and so I'd ask them to go and design their own and, and look at the science behind an experiment of their choice and then they had to present that back to their peers and this one group chose the exploding watermelon. Have you ever seen that experiment before?
1: Exploding watermelon? <laughs> now, I've seen the hippopotamus eating the watermelon, not no. an exploding so watermelon.
0: You get a whole full watermelon. Which, you know, uh-huh. nowadays would be very expensive. <laughs> and a whole <laughs> bunch of rubber bands. And so you just layer these rubber bands, you just keep putting more rubber bands on the middle of a full watermelon until eventually the rubber bands squeeze the watermelon center. Oh my God. Until it eventually like explodes. Oh my and, gosh. And comes gosh. apart. Like it is amazing and it would make a great a really great slow motion (laughs) if if you're into slow motion technology but it was really surprising how many rubber bands it took to explode this watermelon and we just keep putting them more on and more on and it was like oh is it gonna go like that real suspenseful moment like oh it was lots of fun
1: And then you collect the seeds afterwards. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and now let's go plant them and look at see if we can grow all watermelons.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, anything that makes a mess always have yes. a top <laughs>
0: Yes, absolutely. Any other favourite experiments of yours?
1: Uh, the one other ones that are quick and easy ones um, is I like the texture on paper. I think it's called litmus paper. It's like that brown paper that soaks stuff up really quickly. And this one's even just with water. So you get um, texture, the strips of paper, the kids just color the bottom. Um, in texter and then they dip it into water essentially and then it just runs up the paper and colours the paper. Like it's a quick and easy one where the kids can go, oh, okay, what's happening here? Um, And the other one I always liked doing, and I mainly did this with uh, the older students, was just um, getting out torches and prisms and mirrors and making light bounce around the room. So it really only works if you've got blinds and you can close all the blinds or if you can access a room where you can darken everything out because you really do want it dark so that the kids can use the prisms to like reflect and refract light uh, from each other to get that rainbow effect and then they can see the white beam as well and if you get like the concave and convex um, prisms um, and just literally it's all experiential like they can guess it and, and talk about where they think the light will go and do diagrams and everything but you get so much good conversation and discussion when the kids literally are playing with it they've got the torch bouncing light all around the room and following the pathway to it and having that conversation around why is the light moving that direction and why is that color coming out the way that it's coming so um sorry it's um yeah it's just one of those ones where and kids don't think about it because they just flick on a light and see the light bulb yeah. like they're, yeah. they're not actually you know processing how the color passes through the world and how light passes through the world and and even if you get the ones where you get the glass of water and try and pass the light through the water kind of a thing and then they'll come back a week later and be like oh I went to the beach on the weekend and I noticed what the light was doing with the waves and all that kind of thing you know get some really noticing things in the environment around them after they've just had a play literally playing with it
0: yeah That sounds like so much fun. I've never done that one before.
1: It depends on the school that you're at too because I noticed if you're in an older school, somewhere in the science room, there is a box of unused prisms and mirrors (laughs) and torches or something like that. If you're in an older school, the newer schools may not have them, might need to buy them, and I have no idea how much they would be. But yep. I was fortunate that, um, yeah, this this particular school that I was at just had a ton of them. So it was almost like one-to-one. The kids could have their own thing and play oh, with right. it and, and then bounce around the room, yeah. And it was really cool to watch. Like, you know that scene in The Mummy, you know, when they're reflecting all the light beams yep. off each other to open up the cavern? It's almost like that. You can see the, the light bounce around the room when you can yeah, get yeah. all the mirrors lined up,
0: yeah.
1: That sounds fascinating. I want to
0: try it now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get my own get photos for the drive. show notes. <laughs> yeah but you'll, you'll have to add it to your list of things to buy for your new school back
1: I will yeah so many things at the moment there's a big um I'm going to have to seek out some support from librarians because otherwise it's just going to be a library full of books that I like <laughs> 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 um but yeah all, all the different resources that we can now dig in and and look into and there's there's some amazing new stuff stuff out there these days i was at our local high school playing with the um the virtual reality and i was in a kayak uh kayaking around antarctica and i could see penguins (laughs) to the left of me and an orca to the right and um all different ice cascading down
0: like it was amazing amazing antarctica without the chill
1: yeah, yes, very much so. And I was still doing, oh, my God, even though I know that it's not real, I was still ducking out of the way of waves.
0: <laughs> it seems oh, so real when you're in it. That's so cool.
1: It is. You really are immersed in that. And that's from um, National Geographic, that particular one that I was doing, So the, all yeah. sorts of ones where you can um,
0: tour Machu Picchu and all sorts of things. Yeah, wow. They have some great scientific, like, texts and, and videos and things that the kids can watch. And engage with as part yeah. of their science learning. Love the National Geographic. There's,
1: there's National Geographic, uh, sorry, National Geographic for kids. I'm not sure if it's an app, but I know there is our version mm. of
0: it. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, if you're a teacher librarian out there, send some books lists <laughs> book to lists. <laughs> book lists. That's really hard to say, like quickly. <laughs> to <laughs> Beck, if you've got some suggestions on things to put in her new school library. Sure, she'll need lots. We want some science. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that just about wraps up our National Science Week episode, episode 23, season two. You got any takeaways, Beck? It's a bit hard with a two-person chat. <laughs> it is,
1: yeah. I think I'm too into it to pay attention to the the takeaways, though. But I think yep. taking away from this is that I need to probably pay attention to glass a bit more as something that um, can be an area of, of Hmm. study or investigation for kids because i haven't really other than the the mirrors and the prisms even then the prisms were only acrylic though but glass is definitely something i haven't really had as a big topic and um obviously it's hmm. quite sustainable for our future so it might be something i need to investigate as part of you know citizen science with our
0: kids yeah
1: and yeah, looking you? at all the
0: different ways that we use glass you know beyond the yeah. traditional just a glass you know cup or whatever looking at other ways that we use glass and no, that's something I think I might investigate a bit further. I'm a little bit intrigued. Thank you yeah. to National Science Week. <laughs> yeah, we're taking um,
1: away glass. <laughs> taking away
0: glass. No, I think my biggest takeaway is the importance of drawing in those other KLAs to support and enhance science. Um, there's definitely lots of skills, English and mathematics related and other areas, um, the health sciences that, we can draw on to support the learning that we're doing. And you can't go past that engagement factor. Getting in some of those cool hands-on experiments to hook the kids in never goes astray. Well, that wraps us up for episode 23, National Science Week. As always, you can hit us up on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Teacher Takeaway Podcast. We are looking for some more episode suggestions. So if you've got one, send them through. We'll add them to the list and work our way through them. Thank you to those who have already sent them in. That's us. See you next time.